Welcome to the PA Football Story Podcast, where your host, Chad Brubaker, will sit down and talk to coaches and players to discuss the classic stories and rich history surrounding the game of football in Pennsylvania. Please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to get all of the latest content. You can also follow us on Twitter at the PA Football S1. Again, that's the PA Football S and the number one, or on our Facebook page, the PA Football Story Podcast. If you would like to contact us about advertising, please email us at pafootballstorypodcast at gmail.com. Today's guest on the PA Football Story Podcast is the Executive Director of PSFCA, Gary Cathell. After starting his head coaching career in Virginia, Coach Cathell was a head coach in Western PA at Elizabeth Forward, Peters Township, and Butler, as well as being an assistant coach at the collegiate level for California of PA. All right. Good evening, Gary. How are you doing? Good, Chad. How are you tonight? Um, well, thank you. Uh, it's tough doing these on weeknights, I tell you, but, uh, you know, I also, it's nice to free up your weekend as well. Um, well, you know, you're a coach, you're, you're always busy. Right. Plus, plus you got that big family. So I don't know how you, I don't know how you young coaches can do it these days. That's true. We had to push, we had to push it. Well, I don't know about young, but we had to push it back a little bit so I could, uh, pick up my stepdaughter from lacrosse and, um, I just needed 15 extra minutes and I'm, and I'm working without dinner, but uh, I know Jillian's making dinner for me right now. So I'll get that afterwards, but no pressure, no pressure to cut it short. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. <laughs> hey Gary. So uh, Gary, for those of you who doesn't, you know, don't know if you heard the intro, um, Gary is the current executive director of uh, PSFCA, which is the organization for, uh, Pennsylvania High School football coaches um, acts as an advocacy organization. Also houses the Big Thirty Three and the East West game, as well as um, a yearly clinic held at uh, Penn State, um, amongst many other things. And uh, Gary, you know, we'll, we'll jump back into um, your coaching career, um, but how did you get involved in PSFCA? Um, you know, when you first started out and, and why did you get involved? Well, first of all, I got involved. Um, I actually grew up in, in Western PA was Pennsylvania guy my whole life. And, you know, it, it, when I was younger, uh, being just coming out of college, I was a phys ed major and geez, it was so hard to get a job teaching phys ed, you know, because sure. guys want to, guys want to die in those positions. Positions, you know, those are uh, the greatest positions to have. But uh, but anyway, I was I was able to get my first head coaching job out of state in a in a very small school in Virginia, and uh, you know it was just a great learning experience. So, but you know, I always wanted to get back and had the opportunity after three years. And when I got back, uh, there was. Uh, a gentleman by the name of John Dorm, who I, I've known for a long time. John John was uh, 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 at that particular time he was well established coached at Keystone Oaks High School, and John happened to call me up one day and ask, you know, he said, "Gary, you, we're we're looking, you know, for for somebody who might be interested in helping out with the coaches association. How would you feel?" 
And I said, yeah, absolutely like to be involved. Well, that was near 40 years ago. And, uh, and, uh, I can remember, Chad, in those early years of the Coaches Association, I was so intimidated. Uh, it was probably three years for, before I even said said a word in the meeting. And uh, it's funny now, you guys can't get me to shut up. But uh, yeah, right. the uh, <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun getting back and getting established in it years ago. Uh, why I do it? Well, you know what? It's it's just the passion of football and and how you can help kids out and you know, do fun things with coaches. I, I, I really credit a lot in my personal life uh, in football. Uh, being involved in this has allowed me the opportunity to meet meet guys like yourself. You're all the way on the other side of the state from me. And, and I know that from the very first time that I met you and talked to you, uh, you know, I knew that you were going to be good for the, our organization. You know, very bright, intelligent, hardworking guy. And I would have never been able to meet a lot of guys over the years through uh, by not being involved with the association. And, you know, what what we believe in and, you know, what we try to do for coaches and kids is uh, very, very important. So that was one of the main reasons I hung on. But but really, really, it's the camaraderie of the people across the state. Well, I appreciate you saying that, Gary. You kind of caught me off guard and uh, – I know I'm not often speechless, but I appreciate that. And I, I actually feel the same way. Um, you know, when you're a part of a big organization, um, you know, there's a lot of different opinions. And I know that you experience that on a, uh, probably on a daily basis, but. Always. Not as bad as when I was coaching, Chad, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, right, you, know, right. you know, I know it's tough coaching, but you're right. right. Well, it's, you know, I, 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 um, there's times where in my head, I think, well, you know, boy, if I, if I, and it's four, four meetings a year, but there's mm -hmm. times where I'm like, well, if I didn't have to go to this meeting, it would just make my life a little bit easier, but you're right. The camaraderie and also, um, you know, meeting different people and, ha and, and understanding what's going on in different parts of the state and trying to grow the organization, which mm -hmm. quite honestly, under your leadership has, uh, um, I think the PSFCA has grown leaps and bounds like it never had, you know, never had previously. And um, so let's, let's jump back a little bit though. I wanted to get into that to just kind of establish, you know, mm -hmm. what you're doing, but you, you know, you were a, a head coach um, for a long time, I think 27 years or so. And mm -hmm. um, you coached at a, a number of different places, all in Western PA, Elizabeth forward, Butler, Peters mm -hmm. township, if I have right. all those right. Um, yes. Yeah. Talk to, talk to everybody a little bit about uh, those experiences and, and how that kind of maybe uh, helped you come up with the framework that you have today in terms of high school football. Well, you know, uh, getting right out of college and, and uh, having the opportunity to, to start coaching right away, was a pure blessing. That's exactly what had happened to me. And, and, and I'll have to tell you, kind of share with you how my, my uh, coaching career went full circle. Okay. When I got out of, uh, when I got out, I originally, if I'm from Clareton, you know, played football there 
it's all always been a football factory uh, for many many years and and still is through through even you know the the shrinkage of the community and everything but uh, Elizabeth Forward always been a bordering school and um, so I was able to latch on and get my first assistant coaching job there and uh, from there you know uh, just just kind of getting my feet wet in coaching and uh, fortunate enough to get on a varsity staff at that time you know who was learning and uh, ended up um, moving from there as an assistant when the head coach left there he went to Bethel Park which was which was a big sure. school at the time and, and coached there for a few years. And then, then actually after five years into uh, uh, my coaching career, uh, uh, I was able to land my first head coaching job in a real small school down in Virginia called West Point High School. Okay. And, and, and the experience down there was, was the most phenomenal, my most phenomenal experience that I've ever had. I, I've coached in some very, very large schools this was the smallest one. Again, we're talking 30 plus years ago. And man, I still stay in touch with these people. It was just a unique, yeah. unique situation. I had to line the field, Chad. I had to, I had to drive the, I had to drive the bus. Oh, I can tell you a couple of stories about driving the bus. You know, oh, head man. Coach coming from PA and you're the head coach driving a bus through oh. the <laughs> over, over through the tunnels going did over. Your, did you have to uh, get a special license for that? Yeah, I had to yeah. get a bus driver's license. And I'd, ha I'd be on here for another 20 minutes and tell you about that story. Go ahead. I, mean, I want to hear it. Well, <laughs> I got hired about a week into the season. I went down to this school. I was down there on vacation thinking, you know, it's just going to be a regular year in Williamsburg. Right. And, and I go down there and they're looking, having this look in the paper and there was a football head coaching job. It was about a week or two before the season. Are you serious? I applied. They called me. I interviewed. Well, I got the job a week after the season started. I go down there. The first game? No, after the first practice week was oh, going. Okay. So they, they were like the olden times, olden days here where you had two weeks practice and, and then you had game week. Well, I get, I get hired the second week. There was just an assistant coach running, and they were running the single wing. Uh, and that's all that the school was known for. Yeah. It was its single wing history. So I get hired, and the athletic director happened to be from Pennsylvania, and he said, Gary, he says, you've got to learn how to drive the bus. <laughs> and I says, what? I thought Wait, he was joking. He waited till he said, after he hired you to tell you that. You got to drive the bus to the kids. I, I says, oh, all right. So he, th he throws this big manual. Now, here's me. I'm a braggart. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a driver's ed teacher. I taught driver's ed. I can do this. All I care about is, man, I got my first head coaching job, and I'm in a hotel down there. And so I kind of leave through this big three-ring binder. And here comes the day I go into the school parking lot. They have about two or three buses for the whole district that are sticks and you know, <laughs> have governors on them. Well, every two weeks, the people from the state police would come into the town and they would test people, driver's tests. Okay, so I had practiced a little bit in the in the parking lot up there with with the AD, and he says, "Gary, they're going to be down there. Take the bus down and go take your test." <laughs> so I hop in his bus, I go down, I pull up 
pull the bus up and you know i get out and it was in real southern virginia so everybody down there talked with that draw they you know signed up well you're the new coach in town i saw you in the newspaper (laughs) so so i i I get out and fortunate enough the written part of the test i only missed one question believe it or not yeah so he says, well, this is all one time. He says, well, let's go see if you can pass this test, coach. <laughs> so, I think you were I in pretty good shape. I think you were in pretty good shape if he already knew you from the newspaper. <laughs> well, well, you know, I get in and, you know, I don't do any outside checks. You can imagine what the new bus drivers do right now. You guys, your, your schools. I, no, I get into the bus. The bus is open. You know, it was it was actually Chad the other bus that I never drove before that was oh, in yeah. in the school that I took down. So I get in. He says, "All right, coach, take me around the block." So you know how you're in the driver's seat, and there's a seat on this side, and right. there's a seat right behind. Right. He sits over here. He says, "All right, Coach Cassell, let's let's pick up some kids over here." So, <laughs> well, you know in Pennsylvania how the yellow lights come on. Yeah. Well, I'm driving, and my eyes are trying to scope around, and I'm trying to say, "Look, well, where where's the flashers?" I'm thinking of my my head. So <laughs> I hit the flashers button, and I'm getting close. So the yellow lights are on, and I knew in that bus there when you when you stopped and the bus was running and you opened up the door, the red lights came on up on top. So I pulled in and I blocked this whole intersection off. I opened up the door and the red lights come on and, (laughs) and you know, you're in a kind of like cold sweat. And and the guy says, Hmm, coach, I've never seen that before. He says, what was that flasher thing you did? (laughs) I said, well, I was just warning people that I was coming down the road. He says, mm-hmm, you know, that southern draw. So he's sitting there. Now, I'm looking at the corner of my eye, and there on the side of the bus is one of those stop signs, you know, flip out yeah. and sit, stop. Right. Well, I don't know where the switch is for that. There's, there's, there's things over here, right? He says to me, you going to put your stop sign out there, coach? And I says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking over and all I can see is some buttons and just can't read it fast enough to see. And there's a handle right there. And I'm pulling on this handle because it's the closest thing to the, uh, to the, to the stop sign there. Won't come out. Won't come out. You know what? I'm thinking to myself, it's stuck. So, I yank this thing, Chad, boom, man, it flies out, a spring shoots, and it goes all the way to the back of the bus. If there were kids on the bus, it would have killed them or injured them badly. I have this big, long handle and big T thing in my hand. I turn around, and I said to the guy, hey, it's broke. I'm sorry. The stop doesn't work. He says, coach, you just tore the vent apart, the vent switch. <laughs> so he says to me, let me take you around the block and show you how to do this. Right. So he did, and I stopped and did it again. He passed me. Yeah. Four four days later, I got to make my first trip to Surrey County, <laughs> driving the bus, going on to a driving the bus onto a ferry boat and crossing the the river down there to, to go to Surrey County. Oh man, it's another story, Chad. You can't make that stuff up. I tell you. 
I get I get fired up about buses when they're a minute late. So oh my gosh, I can tell you four five myself, then I know I'd be on time. <laughs> well, I gotta I gotta tie the one more into it. Surrey County. Well, here I am. I'm with my team. It's a small school. We're we're talking about 28 kids on a bus. I got the directions to go over there. I'm driving. <laughs> first game, first game as a head coach in my lifetime, you know, going over, get to where I got to get on the ferry boat. You know, the kids were kind of low, low talking, low talking. Well, uh, we get to the ramp where I got to pay and there's a big, huge runway, maybe about 200 yards long. And then, then the, then the ramp to get up onto the, up onto the ferry boat. So I pay and all of a sudden it gets real quiet on the bus. <laughs> Nobody's saying anything. And I noticed it because it was just, you know, odd that there was a buzz all the time. So I crank this thing, I, I put it in drive and I'm, and I'm going down. I hit that ramp. I go up that ramp. I shear the mirrors off of both sides of the buses because, because when I stopped at the booth, I was supposed to pull them in. Not one of them told me on the side of the, uh, you know, in the bus. So the mirrors broke all over. The kids were jumping up and down. Yeah, coach, way to go. <laughs> so I had to drive the daggone bus with no mirrors. And, and then going over there, it was a good thing we won that game because yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm back you. and <laughs> ask you. But a uh, lot of fun learning. And uh, again, that being my first head coaching job, it was just a great experience uh, having to do everything. And then then having the opportunity to come back up, go to Peters Township. Now, you didn't have to Peters do that stuff there, did you? No, I was at Peters Township for 15 years. And, uh, you know, took us through when I got there. We were double A at the time, small double A school. And. By the time I left there, you know, it was still when there were four classifications. Uh, we grew up through double uh, A, triple A. My last year there was quad A, and uh, had a disagreement with with the principal, and because he, he wanted to get rid of some of my some of my coaches, mainly Chad because they were old. And uh, I says, well you know what? I'm not going to coach you if, if you're not going to hire them back because these guys were the salt of the earth. And so I turned my resignation in and I went and coached college football for my second stint uh, down at Cal when Cal PA and coaching college. I did that the one year after I, uh, between, between Elizabeth Ford and Bethel Park, I coached Cal uh, football. So went down and did another year there and ended up getting a head coaching job at Butler for five years and didn't win enough up there. And, uh, went to Elizabeth forward. Now, when I go back and I say full circle, I was getting the end of the teaching career. When I got down there, I was able to teach. I had on my, my coaching staff players that I coached my first time through yeah. their sons were now on, on my team. And, and it was just, it was just a great experience. We went down there and it was just getting around the time it, it you know, after about five years that, I couldn't do it anymore. I had to get hip replaced, knee replaced, the second knee replaced. And, you know, it just wasn't fair for the kids to be coaching on a cart. And, but so, 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 you know, with that, you know, coming to an end and my teaching career coming to an end, you know, at that particular time, I was already, uh, Gallon Stoker had passed 
And, uh, you know, that's when they kind of had moved me into the executive director position just before, just before, or maybe just like right after I retired uh, of the PSFCA. And then, you know, over the past six, seven, eight years, it's kind of morphed into the position that it's had right now. And for me, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky, fortunate and happy. Man, this, this really keeps my football fix. I miss the X's and O's and being on the field and the planning. And I don't miss being in the weight room all those hours like you guys got to do. I don't know how you guys did all this COVID, COVID stuff, but man, it's commendable what all of you did through this and, you know, made things work. And, uh, you know, dealing with parents and booster clubs sometimes is, is trying, but, uh, with all that being said, I'm happy about what I did and where I'm at, and so fortunate to be involved in in the in the PSFCA and running these games and working with coaches and kids that way. So, yeah, that's a big that's a big uh, it's a lot of years in there, but that's that's everything in a nutshell. It's a way to keep your uh, toes in the water, like you said, and mm-hmm. um, you know, PSFCA has. Uh, for a long time, you know, there was a perception that it's kind of an old boys network. And I think actually in the last few years, there's been quite an infusion of some younger voices and uh, a credit to you also some uh, movement in terms of, uh, you know, kind of really solidifying the organization. And the, and the one thing that, that happened is, and probably not a lot of people know this, but uh, the PSFCA for a long time was just an organization that would recommend who the best uh, 33 players were in the state of Pennsylvania to the big 33. And I want to say it's been about four or five years ago that uh, um, the big 33 organization was um, swallowed by PSFCA basically and uh, it became kind of, you know, PSFCA is the umbrella organization and the Big 33 um, and the East-West game fall under that as well as a bunch of other things. But right. I, to me, that was just such a, I, you know, people did not know that. And I'm, quite honestly, I don't think I knew it before I, I became a director. Mm-hmm. And that's just a, a huge, huge thing. And um we've done some great things with the big 33, even though we kind of lost our relationship with the Hershey park stadium. Um, mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about some of those things. Well, you know, uh, yeah, I thank you for mentioning that. And thank you for, uh, you know, giving me some kudos there. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the, the, a lot of people don't know the history of the PSFCA, organizationally it's it's only been been around about 45 years our organization and the the um the organization and big 33 actually got together when when a gentleman by the name of mickey minnick was was running um uh the coaches association he was a coach at that time and he was the one that established the uh the big 33 scholarship foundation which was which was a group that was actually running the game at that time, and and the PSFCA 
uh, owned owned the logo rights. We we purchased the logo rights, and we essentially uh, paid uh, were paid by the scholarship foundation to select the players and select select the coaches. And you know, within our organization, really all all that we had was a clinic and. Uh, you know, we 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 didn't even we didn't even have the East West game in those early years, and and so it was just a you know a chance an opportunity for for coaches to get together and organizational wise do a little bit of planning, have a few meetings, you know, have a very very low and limited budget. Well, uh, you know, we decided to move forward with with an East West game, and um, I had the opportunity to to kind of get that thing rolling. Uh, I know that we had a, when we had a meeting, uh, it was asked if any director wanted to look into some things. It was right around the time when Altoona uh, had lost the state championship games. And we know how hungry they always were to have a game. And, you know, I always had talked about another game to a lot of the guys that I addressed and I brought it up in a meeting and they said, well, you know, why don't, why don't you just kind of look into it? So we put out a, uh, a survey and did those things. And here I went and met with the people down in Altoona convention center, and they were interested in, in starting it up. So, you know, it's right next to Bellwood Annis. So our group decided, you know, John Hayes, let, let John Hayes be our liaison there. And, uh, and, and the game grew. So now uh, we had the, um, the Altoona convention people who, who were running the game and we were doing the same thing with them. So both games and our organization was, was, you know, kind of uh, just, just, just making do well, the, the convention center had a changeover at the top and they decided after about 14 years, they didn't want to do it anymore. So it dropped into the coaches' laps. Now, now we are doing the game, and essentially, it was it was Homer that was the point man. John Homer Delatre from yeah, Homer Delatre from from Holidaysburg. Well, actually, Homer was in Corey at the time, uh, I believe, when it first started. And uh, you know, those of the coaches here in the state know Homer. He, you know, he's a very very organized and and, you know, um, well thought out and, and well thought of in, in the coaching profession. And, you know, so <clears throat> we ended up bringing it back, creating a budget. Now now our budget in our organization is getting more and more things to do. And then, you know, as, as that game continued to grow back again and we were running it, the Big 33, you had mentioned we had taken the game over now five years ago. Uh, uh, the game, which which at one point the Big Thirty Three game at one point, you know, we were they were bringing in twenty thousand people. Yeah. Uh, anybody that ever went to them, uh, it was just a phenomenal event. Uh, the NCAA, NCAA started making rules, and so the game started to slide a little bit, and it became harder and harder for the association or the the, the then the association, the Big Thirty Three Scholarship Foundation, to you know get funding and you know, do all the programs that they were doing. And so Mickey, who had been running that organization through it, through its uh, prospering years, ended up getting out and, and they had an interim for one year uh, where, where a gentleman by the name of John Green went in and it was just too big for John to handle. And he, he got out real quick, but 
one of the board then board members, gentleman by the name of Dave Trimber, who who right. was a businessman uh, uh, and uh, ended up being the executive director uh, after that. And, you know, he did a lot of uh, crunching and, you know, some things like that. But the reason that the game fell into the coaches association's hands like it is right now is it was unfortunate that Dave had a heart attack and, and, and and we lost him. And uh, he, uh, he was the glue that was kind of holding the game together on their end. Um, But uh, the foundation people said, we don't want to do it anymore. So now here we are again, we're getting another game and more and more budgetary items coming in. And, and uh, so, you know, as you had mentioned, we, we started to get some very good young directors in, in the group, our group. And uh, just like I say to all the time, Hey, I'm just an old ball coach. I'm not a business guy. You know, I'm, I'm learning. I'm hearing what a lot of, a lot of people have to say, trying to do and make, make right decisions and messing up here sometimes doing good there sometimes, but uh, um, you know, um, learning and trying to grow. And now I think we're getting it to a point to get, I don't know if the big 33 will ever be as big as it was before, you know, mainly because we can't get those great players to come in those top five-star kids uh, uh, that, that go to school early now. Uh, but we get some darn good players to play in the game. And, and a lot of them are still making it to the NFL and, and we are, we are doing a whole lot of other things within the association. As you know, Chad, we, we've done a little, we're going to be heading into a new period of restructuring things, which I, I really think is going to help us uh, do a lot of things and to bring, bring a lot of great ideas in. And uh, uh, I'm just excited about what can, what can go on. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping to go a few more years and then, then it'd be kind of in place for, you know, uh, somebody else to go ahead and take it to another level after that. But uh, that's kind of the history we're at. One of the things about the the big 33 too, was, you know, Hershey stadium. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know that there was some, um, you know, financially, economically for the budget of the game, you know, it's not like, you know, Hershey park just donates the stadium to, to PSFCA, um, nor to the PIAA for that matter. Right, right. Game and 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 not that they should necessarily. Um, they're a business, but um, you know, so just with COVID and everything, uh, it's being held at Central Dolphin High School, and this is something mm-hmm. that was on my list. What is the current? Now this is uh, we're we're recording this on uh, April twenty second. Is the current status as far as attendance goes uh, for Landis Field at, uh, at uh, Saint Central Dolphin High School? Sure, sure. The right now, as of this date, we are at fifty percent capacity use usage. Which in that stadium, there's actually two numbers in that stadium. That stadium has a ten thousand five hundred with standing room capacity, and it has basically uh, sixty sixty five hundred seats. 
that you know you could pay pay to get in for right. for a seat. So with that being said, the, the Central Dolphin has said to us, Gary, you know, whatever the state does, we'll, we'll honor. As of right now, the the attendance, and again, Chaz, Chad, as you know, uh, anybody that's in the stadium counts against the number. It's, it's 3,350, 3,350, and we have to include the players. We have to include the cheerleaders. We have to include, include the coaches, all the workers, and, uh, you know, all those figure into that number. Uh, we're actually having a meeting tomorrow with the CD people to talk about, you know, ticket just distribution for not only the Big 33 game and what's left, but our two East-West games that we're having and, and how we're going to work that, work that out. But um, it looks like right now we're going to have close to uh, 18, 1900 tickets that we might be putting up for sale for Big 33. And it's all going to be pre-purchase tickets the way it looks. We'll get information. Will that be on the website? Yes, it'll be on our website. And that is www.big33.org. Uh, it'll be on there uh, once it breaks and we'll get it out on social media and in Facebook, uh, all the things that we can possibly get it on to let people know. And then as we get to get closer to the game, if even more are lifted, then we'll have more, more uh, spots. To, yeah. It's to where, you know, if it ends up, who knows by the end of May, I mean, they might tell us we, we have less in there, but I don't anticipate that. Let's just say, you know, 75% or even they, they want to open it up. Well, when it gets to that point, if it goes to full, full blown, then we'll, we'll open the ticket booth back up for walk-ins and, and we'll do the things necessary there for the fans. Uh, but uh yeah, it's it's thirty five fifty. Uh, I, I I really would like to to talk a little bit about about Hershey and how that all came about, Chad, sure. because a lot of people don't know that. Um, you had mentioned it. There there was a lot of budgetary lim, uh, um, limitations when we took over uh, for the the scholarship foundation. Um, you know, there was some significant debt that was owed and and things like that and. Well, one you know, of the things, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Gary, one of the things, the Scholarship Foundation almost kind of uh, goodwilled themselves into a bad, into a corner. In other words, mm -hmm. there's so many scholarships and there's this, mm -hmm. that and the other that they almost didn't have a uh, working budget. Am I wrong on that? Well, here's here's the way it is. The, 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 the Big 33 Scholarship Foundation had money. In, in this in an endowment that they would pay nothing but scholarships out of all the other money that was brought in is the money that they use to run the game and you know some of these other activities like big 26 in the later years that the foundation was doing but the endowment and this is where a lot of people misconstrued the big 33 as a group having a lot of money the endowment had a tremendous amount of money in it and it still did uh, when the organization folded, I'm talking of hundreds of thousands of dollars, but that, that endowment money is not money that can be, you know, uh, used for uh, general, right. general bills and expenses. It's, it has to be ear, it's earmarked towards scholarship and scholarships only. And um, we had a little bit of a rocky relationship with the, uh, the big 33 scholarship foundation in those later years, uh, uh, and, you know, 
I don't know that it would have been something that we would we would have taken over had the money been given to us to do scholarships. Right. Uh, I never really broached the issue with them, but all that endowment money, money ended up going into Orphans Court and was um, used by different different groups that would be involved in scholarship type activities, but. At the other end of it, there was some significant debt that had developed. And, you know, with us trying to keep and maintain the streak of the game, one of the things that we had to look at cutting out immediately, unless they truly wanted to to help us out, was Hershey Park. Yeah. And we were, yeah. we were talking, you know, close to $40,000 or $50,000 just to run the game and the events around the game there. Uh, it's it's union organized so you know there's a lot of things you could do couldn't do uh percentages of tickets had were taken away from you that that they got out of it so i know i caught a a, a lot of flack from people out here and across the state why are you moving it out it was strictly that we couldn't afford it at that particular time and with they got all big, concessions yeah they had all the concessions everything it was just it, it was tough. It, it would have been tough for us to be there. And uh, what we had, we, we were fortunate enough to go in. And one of the gentlemen that was on the old Big 33 Scholarship uh, Foundation group, a gentleman by the name of George Connor. Uh, George actually right now works for the county. Um, he's in charge of all their finances and financial services. Uh, he was very adamant about supporting us. And the county commissioners were involved. Excuse me. Uh, as well and wanted to keep the game in Dolphin County. So each year, you know, that, that I've been associated with the game, the county through us grant writing really gives a significant amount of money, but uh, it, 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 it also makes us where we have to keep the game in Dolphin County. And since we move, we're moving out of Hershey Park Stadium, we had to find some venues that would fit fit the needs right. of being in the county and there's not that many central dolphin was one milton hershey was the other uh when i made some initial contacts talked with milton hershey uh it was just very difficult for us to get in there um but central dolphin was very very um supportive of bringing the game up there and here now we found that um when we moved the game there and we're starting to get a good following in the state of maryland uh, last year would have been our, as, as the PSFC, our fourth year, uh, running, this would have been our fifth year. This, so this is our fourth game that we've, we're putting together. I can really tell you that, that our game two years ago, the environment was so nice and it really was like a playoff game atmosphere. The stadium was full. Um, we had all of our, all of our activities that went on around the venue, it was visual overload is kind of one thing that I, you know, like to do and, and plan for. And, um, and you know, they, they've become our home. And if it gets to the point where we need to investigate going to a bigger venue because we can't fit the number of people in, in, in that venue anymore, then, then we'll investigate it. But until, until then, I think that, uh, and, and I know Chad, you, you would agree with me there. 
when something is at some place, people can plan for it being that date, that place. Sure. It begins to snowball, and and people will will you'll get more and more people to come to the event. So, other than COVID this year, we felt that even last year's game would have been a big year for us, uh, fan wise. But uh, hey, I think with this year's games and and the two East West games going on around it, um, and it being one of the first uh, really you know, kind of event kind of things that's going on yeah. here in Central yeah. PA. We, we, we could end up getting a nice crowd, and that's our hopes. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. Well, let's talk about, I, I think, the, to me, I think one of the best things that PSFCA has done, um, and I... I've lost track how many years, but it's probably at least nine or 10 that I've been a part of it. But um, one of the greatest things I think that we've done is uh, expand the East West game to a big school and a small school format. And there have been, you know, varying uh, approaches to that um, and, and different uh, suggestions. And, uh, you know, every year around this time, or actually probably a couple months ago, you'd have uh, people oftentimes from smaller schools, if we're being honest, that would really have complaints um, about who was ultimately selected. And, and, and I'd be remiss, by the way, and, and I know you do a great job of trying to get this information out there, but I don't think it can be said enough. You know, making the Big 33 or the East-West game is not a popularity contest. It is not about it is not about your statistics. It is about your film, and not a lot of people understand that. Um, you know, I've been on these committees for all of the time that I've been all in the there. Years and, you've been in there, yeah. And and and, and quite honestly, I'm in a room that's uh, probably one of the tougher ones, and we have made decisions based on what we see on film and who's ready now. Mm -hmm. That is something that people need to know. Um, the coaches, what, like, so if you were in the defensive backs room and there's 85 defensive backs nominated across Pennsylvania, you are required as a director to rank them one through 85. And certainly um, the cream rises to the top. And, you know, if you're trying to separate out 33 from 34, that's, that's one thing. Oh. But cream rises to the top and, and every coach that's a director watches every single film. And I can attest to that because it takes a long time. Um, but that's well, really weeks, important to know for period. people. Yeah, you know, the, the process itself uh, has, has not been in, in effect uh, as a whole. It was a process that had been tweaked from, from the Mickey Minnick days. And again, I can credit this to a lot of our new directors that, that, that came in, you know, right around in that time you came in nine, ten years ago, Ed Gallagher and the guys, came, you know, came in and you know, we had to, we had to come up with a, with a selection system that that was transparent and and also one that um, could could uh, you know put the best athletes, but you know know that 
you know, they're, they're, once they get slotted in, uh, and, and I'll expound on that a little bit. Once they get slotted in, if somebody up above them moves, well, they move. It's not going to be a, a popularity thing where this guy might might jump in because his head coach is here. And that that was the impression of a lot of these things. Well, this guy, and I can attest to that because, yeah. like like every coach across the state, there's kids that I thought on our, uh, you know, that were that from spring forward that should have made it, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in the room. I uh, yeah. back from our school that I thought should have made it a couple years back. And I, mm-hmm. you know, excused myself from the room and guys didn't pick him and, you know, it is what it is. Like, yes, yes. And, and as you mentioned, it's, it's, it, it's turned into a very complicated, but yet thorough uh, process. Uh, uh, you know, as you were saying, Chad, we have uh, 42 directors uh, who represent their districts. Um, some of the districts are bigger, so they have maybe four or five directors. Uh, some of the districts are pretty small. They have one director, but the total number of directors is 42. It's like the House Those of Representatives. Exactly. Those 42, when we, when we broke them up into committees, what we try to do is we try to get a, a person who is from all parts of the state within a committee of about five, six coaches. So, so let me use the example of quarterbacks. The quarterback room has five or six guys. Most of the guys are from every area. So if the case comes down to, well, did you guys see this kid physically see him? Well, he looked, at least you had somebody in the room that they could have said, yeah, I, we, we played against them. So, so you had some diversity there. So if you have your you have your committee, Chad, you chair a committee, you're in charge of all 60 guys or 70 guys who sign up. Every one of those five or six directors, as you said, has to sit down and watch one. And one of the big things that a lot of people don't know is for a for a player to play in the game, their coach or their high school has to be a member of our association. And a lot of times people will complain, uh, you know, well, why didn't Billy Smith make it out of this, this area? And, you know, when we get when we get uh, questioned about that uh, by a particular person, well, Billy Smith's coach didn't, yeah. didn't enroll because he's not Listen, a member. Every year when that list comes out, the list of nominations, you know, I mm-hmm. look at it and, you know, I know. You know, I live in the District 3 area, but I coach in the District 1 area, and I know kind of the surrounding areas, and there's always a kid or two that I'm like, oh, interesting. Exactly. Nominated, and maybe it's because the kids said, you know, the first thing I do is I say to our kids, hey, if I nominate you, you're playing. If you are wishy-washy <laughs> on it, you're yeah. not nominating you. And uh, I'm actually very proud of that in my time at Spring Forward every kid that we've ever nominated that made the game has played. No one has dropped out. And, and I attest that to like, Hey, you're making a commitment from the start here. Not, we're not just, we're not just chasing stars and recognition, you know? So. And coach, that's, that's truly the, the attitude that we would like all of the coaches within the state. And again, you know, with some of our restructuring that we're doing, we really help to promote these kind of things within the coaching organizations and in the individual school districts. 
But, but, but again, as the committee progressed forward, you had mentioned about viewing. I mean, you guys take two weeks out of your, your schedule to take a look at every one of these kids. You go to their huddle accounts, you take a look at them, uh, watch their film, watch their video, and then you rate them. And uh, we have we have a uh, have a coach who is is our tally coach and 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 kind of like the uh, the point man for for the selection process. And I'll name him. It's it's Ed Gallagher, Ed Gallagher from Souderton. And he's not and, doing any. All he's doing is adding it up. He's a math. Guy. Yes, he, he's a tally man. He's a math guy. Does a great great job. And and he, you tally up the scores of all your coaches and. You know, as as Chad said, you the cream kind of runs to to the top, and usually at the top, after you get these these numbers totaled up, the Chad correct correct me if I'm wrong. The lower numbered guys are the guys who reach the top, correct? Yep. yep. Because if each each of the coaches in the committee rated him number one, and there were six guys, he would have a score of six, correct? Right. And so so the lower number kids go to the top, but the most important thing that all of us really want people to know is that every kid is evaluated. 100%. Now it does not just end with an individual coach rating. We, we have a weekend. Usually it's the last weekend in January where we go to uh, state college. Uh, we're very fortunate this year. We couldn't do it because of COVID, but we typically go to Penn state in their football facility. They've been gracious hosts for us. Uh, and we break uh, break into committees up there, and the guys in each of those committees they get to talk about, hash out. They get a recommendation from the head coach of the team uh, what what he may want in terms of certain types of personnel, and then they go into the rooms and and you know they've had a preconceived idea of what all the, the players can do, but yet you know when you get in and hear different perspectives from everybody. Uh, you know, there, there's definitely some things that go back and forth. And by the end of the evening, the committees come out uh, with ratings from number one to number 60 in that particular example that we were giving, or like in the wide receiver DB room, they're, they're doing well over a hundred. And the, well, that's, the, if I could jump in, that's where I, if, if any coach is listening to this, please, please. Have your kids make an offensive film and a defensive film. Uh, you know, the films that I watch, you know, I, I'm like, you're showing a, like a kid's nominated on offense and the first 20 plays are defense or sometimes it's mixed in. And it's just, it just muddies all the waters and no one's doing anybody a favor. Kids need to divide their film or just make two different films, one offensive and one defensive, if they play both ways. Um, you know, it just, it just uh, makes life so much easier. And, and by the way, it makes it easier for colleges to recruit them. Because, you know, right. a kid might, by the very nature of his high school, have to play on defense. But, you know, he projects as an offensive player in, in uh, college. The, the college coach doesn't really want to watch the defensive film. Um, I'll tell you what, too, I'd like to uh, expand upon that. I mean, our directors do a great job with when they do evaluate and they talk about, you know, maybe a kid who's a pretty good looking athlete, but who may not 
be the best uh, best at that position that he was chosen for the game, they'll outreach to the other committees and they'll say, hey, you know what, you guys might want to take a look at this kid as an athlete or a DB. And I can tell you what, it, that, that would have never happened if the, in the kid may have never been on the team if our directors didn't take the time to do that. So right. that largely happens with the uh, wide receiver D backs. It largely happens with the uh, tight end defensive end guys, I guess mm -hmm. sometimes the O-line D line, but usually those guys are pretty well-defined. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. And, and again, uh, that takes a whole evening to put together, but again, as we come out of there and we, we approve the teams, we have for every position a list that draws on. So let's give an example, and now let's let's reach into the East-West game as we go on and, and use the quarterback position again. So so um, Chad's group, who who is going to select a quarterback, yes. the top two quarterbacks will be the two quarterbacks that are on the big 33 roster. Whether okay. they're from both in the East or both from yeah, the West. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Right. Doesn't matter. They're the best two quarterbacks on the board. That's who the group de determines. Now, now as we get into quarterback number three, now it's going to determine where the number three quarterback is going to go. So let's say number three quarterback is a is a big school um, Eastern player. Well, he would go down on the books as the number one big school East quarterback. Right. And again, we would use the same type of breakdown. We have a few less kids in the East West game than we do the big 33 game, but we have a, we have the numbers separated into how many kids we need. And, and so it just all fits, fits in to this ladder, this rung, these tiers that, that you go right down to fill, to fill all your rosters. But what is actually very, very good about the whole scenario in terms of checks and balances, let's just say the, the number two quarterback gets, has to go to school or decides he doesn't want to play in the game. He's injured. And he's injured, which, which does happen even in the offseason. Well, he tells us to go. Well, what happens is everybody just moves up one rung. So that – that big school East quarterback is now in the big 33 game and a kid who was just out of the quarterback position uh, in the big school, in the big school East now gets an opportunity to play in the East West game. Yeah. So, so the system works uh, for us. Uh, it's easy for me when we get questioned about it, which have been occurring uh, less and I, and I think, you know, again, that's, that's from a lot from, you know, uh, I know that uh, some of the newspapers try to put out, uh, I know that homers try to get things out about how the process works and we've been, been getting less, but I can tell you this, and this goes back to something that I said earlier. One of the main things that we get is why isn't my son picked? It's because their coach wasn't a member. Yeah. More than anything, more than anything. So well, the other thing I think in the past, I mean, I remember, uh, you know, there were always, you know, some running backs who were, you know, from quite honestly, smaller schools and playing against other smaller yes. schools and, and their statistics were just, you know, ridiculous. Crazy. But yeah. At the same time, you know, college coaches know and certain kids get scholarships and certain kids don't, or it's a different level. And, mm -hmm. and um, although we don't necessarily look at that, I mean, we're aware of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes 
I'll be honest, in our room, there's a kid that's a division one full scholarship power five kid, uh, but he's somewhat of a project, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll, another kid might jump him. That's, you know, a, a different, different level. So we really, really try to do our homework and it's nothing is nothing is perfect, but I think. We well, you know what, again, the coaches do a great job of finding, finding kids that are ready to play in that, in that game. And, you know, we've, we've put some good teams out there. And, and again, the big thing is the experience for all the kids and yeah. to go back and, and, you know, what, 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 what the PSFCA decided to do in having big school, small school, East, West, I really think has made, made some of our small school coaches, uh, head coaches and coaching staffs uh, happy and proud because I am getting some, some comments back saying, well, coach, we, we never had a kid in a state all-star game, you know, uh, especially from the small school. And just because they're from a small school, Chad, just like you said, that, right. that doesn't mean that they're not good. Uh, it's just a lot of times they just don't get the opportunity, the exposure, uh, right. you know, those types and of things. They're not, you know, they're not, you know, they might be going to, uh, a, you know, a PSAC school, a running back mm -hmm. going to the PSAC school. Well, the kid going to a power five school, Hey, it's just, you might have had better statistics, but it just is what it is. This kid's exactly. faster, stronger, bigger, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's great to see, um, and I think it's going to do wonders for PSFCA and membership to have those two games. Um, yeah, absolutely. Really looking forward to it. I mean, it's going to be a huge weekend for for Springford football. We have three kids uh, in the game, plus um, our linebackers coach is going into the Hall of Fame, and uh, we're going to have to we're going to have to figure out a way to block off some tickets because there's a lot of people <laughs> that, that want to go and uh, we might stop it. They might stop at Trogues on the way, you know, like uh, there you go. There you go. You got the, you got the plans now. Yeah. 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 The, well, I, the, I, wanted, I don't want to hold you up all night, uh, Gary, but I did want to talk about um, one other thing. And if anybody is a fan of high school football uh, in Pennsylvania, you know, you understand that every coach in Pennsylvania is on a year to year contract. And, um, you know, for better, or for worse, that's the situation that, uh, we're all in. And, uh, something happened, uh, about a week and a half ago at, uh, Pine Richland high school, Eric Kasparowitz, which is, he is a director, um, out of district seven and someone who I've gotten to know, um, like you said, the camaraderie of PSFCA, someone that that I've gotten to know and respect and we've had a lot of conversations and he was actually the last person to do this podcast. And, you know, he talked about, they just want a state title and all he could talk about was character and service and, and those types of things. And, um, you know, we're on one year contracts and, and the first thing when this all went down, um, and if you don't know what went down, just go on Twitter or go to a, Pittsburgh newspaper or radio station and you'll figure it out real quickly uh the first thing that uh kind of came up in my mind was uh where's PSEA in all this you know um you know we're all in one-year contracts and basically the coward's way out for a lot of administrators and thank goodness I have tremendous administrators so I'm <laughs> I just have had I am so fortunate um but the coward's way out is just to not renew a contract. 
you know, and you don't have to put a guy on an improvement plan. You might do that, or mm-hmm. you don't have to, you know, you, you might lose games and that's a reason, or, you know, there might be things, you know, but they, they don't have to offer, they really don't have to offer reasons. And, and I think it would be great if PSEA who 90 plus percent of coaches are members to look at advocating for three-year contracts or, or five-year contracts where, okay, if you do something wrong, you can be fired for cause, which no one Mm -hmm. has an issue with. Mm -hmm. But if you just are, uh, you know, you win four games the first year and everybody thought you should have won six, you know, that's not, you know, people need opportunities to try to build programs and obviously, uh, Coach Kasparowicz, it's not that at all. Like, the guy has two state titles. Who knows? Like, none of us really know. Um, it, it would no. seem that there were minor things that were made into uh, anthills that were made into mountains, but we really mm-hmm. don't know at this point. But knowing Eric, Eric wouldn't look the other way, in my mind. Uh you know, he would address issues that came up. So what, what do you see? I mean, I don't know across the country, you know, better than me, like what do other States have multiple year contracts, more like a college model uh, or is it just all that across the board? Well, you know, the, to answer that, that question immediately, other States do have multiple year contracts. And I think, you know, everybody is well aware of how they do things in Texas, uh, Uh, the the Texas model is you get, you get hired as a football coach and your football coach coaching salary could end up being just as much as a, a, a tenured 20 year teacher in, in a, in a school district. So you get hired, you know, and you get compensated, uh, but they give you time. You have a contract and obviously all of us that coached in high school, we had contracts, but, uh, Chad, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, you know, the longer you stay at any one place, and this is the generality that old coaches have told me, and, and I'm sure you've heard it from people, the longer you stay at any one place, the more people get kind of PO'd at you for one reason or another. And when there's enough people who are mad at you or have an ax to grind a, about you, it only takes five people to get rid of you and that can happen at the drop of a hat. You know, to, to look at Eric's case, Eric is a fine, fine, a uh, fine, fine man. I, again, I want to call him a kid because I, I can remember seeing him play in high school and, you know, back in Western PA uh, being very good in his days at Pitt. But getting to know him as a director over these past few years and his reputation, not only in his his in Pine Ridge and in his school district, North Hills, where he teaches in the Whippeal state and nationally uh, is just, you know, he's well thought of and he always does. And the, the things that are best for kids. And I could not see him turning a, a blind eye to anything. Now, as everybody knows, there's always two sides. Uh, we, we don't know, and school districts don't divulge that. And I think that's the big argument that's coming out in, in the Pittsburgh media. 
you know, the school district, well, they need to tell us. It needs to come out. They're public, they're, you know, servants. They were elected school board members. You, well, again, there, there is legal protocol that they, they can't do that. And that's, that's a lot of times where, you know, a guy who just didn't win enough in a particular school could get fired and, and have hundreds of people who just love the guy because of everything that he may do. In Eric's case, it seems like Eric became too successful, and it seems like some people didn't like that he was having too much success. And uh, isn't that? Crazy? But uh, uh, you know, here's what I know uh, about about Eric. Eric's going to land on his feet. Um, he's a fine man. Uh, you know, I, I think everybody in the coaching profession who knows him would speak very highly of him and, and, and recommend him. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that are in school districts and in administrators like his home school district where he teaches who, who know him to be a very quality young man, great football coach, great person, and, and he'll land on their feet. And the one thing that I probably would like to end with in terms of, you know, a school, a school board or whoever makes the decisions to, you know, fire or hire. Re remember, rem remember this, be careful what you wish for, right. you know, because sometimes when you get rid of somebody and you think that, you know, that's going to help the situation, it may make the situation be a whole lot worse. So, um, you know, in their case, I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that really need to sit back again. If, if, if I were in, in the position that, that Eric was in, I think he's saying all the right things. He's doing all the right things. He needs to sit back and listen right now, uh, take and get good advice uh, uh, from, from the people that he needs to get the good advice from, possibly attorneys or whatever he plans on doing. And I think the school district needs to do the same thing as well, because I think that uh, you know, their, their policies and procedures you know, might, might need to take a look at how they're doing things and, and the way they do things. And, uh, you know, that can go across the board. I think that with this happening and it getting so much public attention, I think school districts across the state should take a look at this, you know, what and why did something like this happen? Why did it, why did it get to a point where it got to and how can, you know, districts and, districts have accountability and coaches have accountability chad as we said before we even got on the air you know as far as coaches go we're you and i we're in the coaching business because we love to coach and we we want to stand behind our coaches heck i would love to see a coaches union and that's where you had mentioned the, the psea um to be involved in and in, to have a coaches union where where we don't get somebody with an agenda to say hey you have a one year contract i'm going to get four other people on a board on a board or all five people on the board to say you're no good and then you're gone right. and you know what you each each high school coach no matter what level that they coach at uh, you know i don't care if they're a good coach or a bad coach they do a tremendous amount of work for the amount of money that they make and we all know that you, you, you make pennies on the dollar as a coach and sometimes not even that much. All the time, effort, the time you spend away from your own families, um, you know, you just can't get that back. And, uh, you know, that, that part of it is unappreciative. 
by certain certain groups sometimes in certain school districts and uh you know sometimes they you know you end up end up just being a bitter split and, and bitter move on but uh you know i, I like i said i just want to make uh, everybody to know that uh i reached out to eric personally i told him that i would do anything that that uh I personally, as Gary can do, I know that thinking, thinking from the, the, the coaches association end of it, you know, if we were going to make a, uh, make a statement, we, as a group, we would need to have more facts before we make, we make a statement we can't just be one side or, you know, or, or pro pro or, uh, or anti, uh, school districts and school boards, but, um, you know, uh, and, and I think that's where we're part of the, the coaching, coaching, uh, uh, the coaching group or, you know, brotherhood stays right. together and, and wants to help their guys. Well, one of the things I tell you, when we have our next meeting, I, I think it's going to be a topic. Um, and, and I think that's a good thing for, uh, guys to just kind of express themselves and, uh, you know, for a long time, you know, you mentioned coaches in Texas, coaches in Georgia, and I certainly am not asking for a $90,000 raise tomorrow, but. Uh, you sure like that. <laughs> Jill, Jill would like that too. I know that. Jill would like that too. <laughs> but, but I will say, I will say that, uh, you know, um, the coaches are not, coaches in Pennsylvania are not in it for the money. Right. Right. Uh, you probably can't say the same thing about that in Texas, to be honest. There's certain, I'm sure there's certain coaches that are, are in it for uh, money. You cannot say that about Pennsylvania coaches who mm -hmm. are, uh, like you said, you know, uh, who love football, who, who want kids to uh, have success and, and great experiences. And, and uh, it's just something maybe that needs to be looked at. And, and, and maybe we need to have a conversation with PSEA or, or whomever and, 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 uh, open those lines of communication because, uh, if there is a railroad job, it's, it's not, it's not right. And, uh, it's not, well, I know, I know it'll be brought up in the next meeting, but for those of you out there who don't know, Chad is one of our, uh, presidents in the waiting right now. So, uh, He's going to bring some things in there that he wants to get talked about. And, and you know what? I think it's good, viable, good, viable stuff that we 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 in our profession and here in Pennsylvania need to discuss to see if we can help. Well, sometimes our conversations don't go anywhere in our meetings, but other other times, other times, you know, they do. Uh, they do branch off into things that, that we talk about later on. So, um, oh, you, you know, this Chad, when you get 42 or with the, even the guys who are not directors that go to these meetings, 50 yeah, yeah. plus head coaches in there. Uh, it's, 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 ooh, it could be pretty interesting to see what happens. Everybody, everybody has an opinion and, and, and everybody has experience and they're well thought of in that room. So right. Uh, it, it is a lot of fun, though, Chad. You know that. Gary, thank you so much uh, for taking no time on this uh, Thursday night. We'll pop this out on the uh, onto the web uh, early next week. And uh, I just really appreciate you taking time out. And I, I tell you what, there was a lot of great information. I never knew you had. Do you still have your bus license? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Down in Virginia, I do. <laughs> 
I can go down there and get a job working for a school district driving a bus. <laughs> uh, maybe one one time when I when I retire again from this job, I'll I'll think I'll think about that and going back down there. But uh, yeah, Chad, thank you for inviting me. It's always fun. Like I said, I enjoy talking with you and and. And again, it would have never happened getting to meet you and a lot of the guys by not being in the association. And I know what what you do for the state program, but also what you do for Spring Ford. I think they're lucky to have you. And uh, again, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be on your show. All right. All right. Have a good night, Gary. All right, buddy. Take care, Chad. I'll talk to you soon, okay? You got it. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the PA Football Story Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook or on our website, pafootballstory.podbean.com, where you can subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast platform or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating, a follow, a like, a share, or just simply tell a friend about the show.